Good morning. Welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. I'm Allie, and I'm the minister to youth here at Calvary. We are so glad that you're here this morning, especially if you were at that late game last night. If you're a guest with us today here for the first time, or someone who's been to Calvary many times over, we are so happy that you've joined us this morning. If you are a guest, we ask that you might take a minute to fill out a visitor slip that's in the pews in front of you. I thought that I had grabbed one, but I grabbed an offering envelope. So it looks kind of like this. That is definitely the best way for us to get in touch with you and just get to know you better. If you do fill that out, you can just place it into the offering plate later in the service. You'll also need a few things to maneuver this morning's worship service. You'll need a worship folder that looks like this that's located just outside the sanctuary doors if you weren't able to get one. And we'll also use a hymnal and that's located in the pew backs in front of you. So this morning we are continuing our worship series on generosity. Thomas Merton said, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given us. And he has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of existence is a grace, for it brings with it immense graces from him. Gratitude, therefore, takes nothing for granted, is never unresponsive, is constantly awakening to new wonder and to praise of the goodness of God. For the grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference. My favorite part of that quote is the line that says, gratitude takes nothing for granted, is never unresponsive, and is constantly awakening to new wonder. So what might it look like if we took nothing for granted? What would it look like if we were never unresponsive? And what if we were constantly awakening to new wonder in this world? How might that change the ways that we are generous to others? Let's worship this morning. Yeah. 
faithful and generous God. Out of your abundant generosity, you show us new mercies each morning. We are forever grateful for them and have gathered together to celebrate that this day. God, we ask that you make your presence known to us today in a new and a fresh way. Holy Spirit, be amidst us today and open our hearts to imitate the generosity you have already shown to us. Even when our cups are running empty, when our spirits are downcast, and when we doubt our capabilities, Lord, we ask that you, be, that you move and work among us today and the next day to live out generosity among our neighbors and strangers. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship your holy name. The sun up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, 
your holy name you're rich in love and you're so to anger your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness I will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship your holy Your holy name, Lord, I worship your holy name. 
A reading from the book of Psalms. Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in his commandments. Their descendants will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. They rise in the darkness as a light for the upright. They are gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with those who deal generously and lend, who conduct their affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. They will be remembered forever. They are not afraid of evil tidings. Their hearts are firm, secure in the Lord. Their hearts are steady. They will not be afraid. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have distributed freely. They have given to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn is exalted in honor. The wicked see it and are angry. They gnash their teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked comes to nothing. A reading from the book of Luke. In the hearing of all the people, he said to the disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance, say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. This, this is, is the, the word, word of the, of the Lord. Lord. His holy name, sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. Good morning, Calvary. We just wanted to take a moment and share with you some of the stories of generosity that have come in over the last week. If you weren't here last week, um, Calvary kind of did a reverse thing, and we actually gave out envelopes. Um, they were unmarked, and they had various amounts of money in them, and so we asked for some anonymous stories uh, from folks who were able to use that um, to be generous this last week. So I just wanted to share a few of those with you. We know a manager at one of the HEB stores. We took our Calvary $30 plus $10 of our own, asking him to give it to a deserving employee who could use the extra cash. It was fun for us. The manager was blessed by his own account as well. And our prayer is that the $40 will come at a time of special blessing to the recipient. I went through Starbucks drive through to get some coffee. And I saw the person behind me having a rough time with her children. And, I look, and she looked generally exhausted. I feel like I've seen this and been this. <laughs> I asked if I could pay for the person behind and to give them the change as well. When I was driving off, I could see her reaction for, to finding out her drink had been paid for and waving her thanks. Uh, one more. Our hearts have been drawn toward the Samaritan Fund the past few weeks as we've been made aware of the needs 
around Calvary. We multiplied our gift from Sunday's worship and gave to that fund. We also wanted to take just a moment, Mary Alice and I each have a microphone, and we're going to kind of make our way around uh, this morning. And if you have a story, in particular a story of a time that someone has been generous to you lately, we want to tell those stories too. Sometime in the past week or month that you have received generosity. Would anybody have a story like that that they'd want to share with us? I can start us off with one. Um, one of the heaters back in our office area is out, and so I think a few people knew I was cold this week. I was wearing my jacket and my scarf at my desk, and I came in on Wednesday night, and there was a very nice space heater with a note um, anonymously um, wanting to make sure I could stay warm, and so I was very grateful for this person's generosity. That's great. Any others? Um, so, so there was a dance coming up at my school, and I didn't have any money to go to the dance, and my friend gave me some money to go to the dance. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I'll share one. Um, sometimes when people die, you don't know their relatives enough to say thank you or to share even a story with anybody that's living. But a few weeks ago, there's a man that uh, I knew from when I was a college student that passed away back in Alabama in the little country church where I served in those days. And I remembered him so fondly because there was a, a time when I was a young minister of music, uh, college student, and I drove, I took some time from class and drove 50 miles to the funeral of a person in that congregation. I didn't have the money to pay for the gas and found it somewhere and went anyway and took time out of school. But at the end of the service, when we were at the graveside, um, this man, Mr. Powell, came up to me and stuck some money in my pocket, in my coat pocket. And it was $20, which in those days was uh, more than enough to pay for a tank of gas to get back and forth to that um, church. And I just have never, ever forgotten him for that. And I'm not sure I ever thanked him for it. And I read of his passing a few weeks ago on Facebook. And I... Uh, most of his family are gone now. I never really had a chance to say thanks, but his generosity has inspired my generosity at many times since. I've got a couple over here. I'll be right back, Carol. So last week, I thought I'd have to leave church early, so I was sitting way back here in the back. And uh, Mary Alice did her uh, message and talked about the, the envelopes. And then, oh, she came up and sat down right next to me. And, of course, it's the day I don't have much. The plates were lifted up, and I, I dug in my pile. All I had was a 20. So I put it in there, you know, because Mary Alice was sitting right there. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about generosity. So anyway, so I go down, I pick up my envelope, and I know I'm supposed to open it when I get home, but I'm kind of in a rush to see what's in there. I open it on the way to McAllister's to have a bite to eat, and it's a $20 bill. And I think, that's really interesting. I gave a 20 I got a 20 So I have my lunch, uh, quickly a salad, and I walk out to the car, and as I'm getting in it, this guy comes up, and he says, buddy, I'm, I've run out of gas. Can you spare a 20 And I do my standard, hey, man, I'd love to, but all I got on me is a credit card. 
So I'm driving off, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I moved here from New York. I, I'm used to panhandles. I, I, I live downtown. I mean, I run across panhandlers constantly. Nobody has ever asked me for a 20. So I whip around the block, come back to see if he's still there, and I hand over the envelope. And I think, oh, my gosh, there's been so many things spiritually that's been happening. Who asks for a 20, and who gives a 20, and who gets a 20? So that was what happened last week. Thank you. That's terrific. Harold? Yes, about, about three months ago, I was at the dollar store. So a lady in front of me, she pens, she got a bunch of pennies. She studied pen with pennies, penny, pennies. Study. So I'm standing there being impatient. I'm like, I wish you hurry up, hurry up. Well, little did I know, when I got up there, the cashier said, she already paid for yours with all the pennies. And I was so, I'm talking about, I was just blew away, I cried. You know, I've been telling this story since then and I'm still telling it. Thank you, Harold. I've got one over here. So ever since my mom got sick, um, people have been bringing food and flowers and meals and snacks and everything, um, which is super awesome and we're really thankful. Um, but somebody sends us fruit every Saturday, like a, like several bags, like H-E-B delivery fruit. And it's anonymous fruit. I call it mystery fruit, but we are, we are a family that loves to eat fruit and it's just extra special because it's anonymous. So mystery fruit. Um, I had the honor of being with some great friends of mine last week and um, they are just the epitome of generosity in all ways spiritually and financially and uh, they took us all out to dinner and um, it was a very very expensive and I actually really struggled with receiving the generosity uh, so that's a little bit of a different story and I don't know if anyone resonates with that in here but sometimes it's a real struggle for me to receive generosity um, and I'm still working that through with, with my friends of, of receiving that better. The story I've shared for so long that happened to me so long ago. I was a college student, and uh, like most college students, I was kind of adjusting to college life. And uh, a friend of mine had dropped out of school and was in Houston. I was in Minnesota. And he said, you should come drop out of school, Jim, and come, uh, come join us for all the fun and things that'll, have to, well, that'll happen in Houston, no doubt. And so I said, well, I was living in a Catholic school. I was going to school, a Catholic school, and we had fathers on each of our floors. And so I went to Father Lavin to let him know that I was going to be dropping out of school. It didn't take me take a lot of encouragement. And he literally said, Jim, get down on your knees. He blessed me, and he said, uh, you'll be staying here. And, and really, the rest is history. I mean, that could have been a mistake I could have made, and I still, his name is Father Lavin, Monsignor Lavin, that uh, to this day, I thank him for where I'm at. Thank you for sharing, and I think let's keep these stories going. I think these are the stories we all need to hear to encourage us to live out generosity. Yeah, a quick note on that. There are yellow cards throughout the sanctuary that you can write those stories on. There's also a link in the tower if you want to share those stories. That way we will continue to celebrate those, even if it's just with us.
voices. We lift our hands, we lift our lives up to you. We are an offering. Lord, use our voices. Lord, use our hands. Lord, use our lives. They are yours. We are an offering. gracious God, in these moments, may the words in my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I wonder how many of you grew up watching TGIF on Friday nights? Okay, we got a few hands. Maybe I was hoping for a little more. Well, if you grew up watching TGIF, like my brother and I did, then you grew up watching the show Family Matters, starring the most famous and most beloved nerd in TV history, Steve Urkel. But what you may not know is that originally, Steve Urkel was only supposed to appear in one episode of the TV show as the nerdy next-door neighbor of the Winslow family. 
However, audiences were so drawn to Jaleel White's character in the pilot episode, and the producers were so impressed by his performance, not to mention his signature line after every time he would mess up and do something silly, did I do that? that the writers quickly rewrote the script, making Steve Urkel the star of the show. Or for the Lost fans in the room, you might know that Ben Linus, who was originally known as Henry Gale, went from being a minor character to what one critic called one of the most frightening characters in television history. However, what you may not know is that Michael Emerson was originally hired for only three episodes of Lost. His performance was so outstanding that they changed the storyline to make his seemingly meek character into one of the creepiest and greatest antagonists ever seen on TV. And none of us ever would have heard of Henry Winkler were it not for his role as Arthur Fonzie Fonzarelli in Happy Days. However, even Fonzie was originally intended to be a minor fringe character in the show. In fact, when it first debuted, Fonzie even wasn't allowed to wear his trademark leather jacket because it was just too edgy for a minor character. But over the years, the Fonz went from being minor to one of the greatest TV stars of all time, and his famous leather jacket is now on permanent display at the Smithsonian Museum of American History. Even Kelsey Grammer was originally slated to appear in just a few episodes of the third season of Cheers as the romantic rival for Ted Danson's character, Sam Malone. In fact, Grammer thought he had failed his audition and he didn't expect to be on the show at all. But everyone loved his performance too much to let him get away. He quickly became a series regular and ultimately started his own spin-off show, a show which quickly began to rival its original, and he went on to play Frasier for the next 20 years. Perhaps it's a good reminder, as Mrs. Bradley tells the Herdman children in the best Christmas pageant ever, that there are no small parts, only small actors. Well, today's scripture reading is about someone who, on first glance, seems to play a very small part in the story. She is only given one verse in today's text in Luke 21, in which Jesus and the disciples watch as a poor widow puts two small copper coins into the temple treasury. As far as she knows, no one even sees her do this, but that's nothing new because no one ever sees her. She's not even given a name. In fact, all we know about her is framed by what she does not have. We are told that she is poor, so she doesn't have much money, and she is widowed, so she doesn't have a husband either. And yet this poor widow, with only two coins to her name, absolutely captivates Jesus' attention here. He says to the disciples, truly I tell you, the poor widow has put in more than all of the rest of them, for they have all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. 
Now, just chapters earlier in Luke 18, a rich young ruler asked Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus tells him, sell all that you own, give the money to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And the man leaves Jesus, shocked and grieving, because he has many possessions. But the widow in our passage today does what this rich young man cannot do. By putting in two copper coins, she gives away all she had to live on, our translation reads. And the Greek is actually even more direct here, and it says she puts in her whole life. My friend Alan Shirouse, who is a pastor in Greensboro, North Carolina, tells what's perhaps a modern-day version of this story that happened one year at First Baptist Greensboro. The Carolina Panthers were in the running for the Super Bowl, and his church decided to host a watch party for the first playoff game after worship one Sunday, complete with lunch downstairs and the football game on a large screen TV. But the event was especially intended for those who might need a warm place to watch the game, he says, particularly those neighbors of ours who live outside and are homeless in our city. Many of these from our community joined us for worship prior to the game, and that Monday, as our offering counters went through their weekly counting, they came and told me that they noticed in that particular offering collection there was an unusual number of coins. He said, if you consider the percentage of those gifts relative to income, Some of those coins might have been the most generous offerings we received the entire year. After all, as Jesus points out, the rich give out of their abundance and still have plenty left over. But the widow's gift is everything because she gives everything she has to live on her whole life. I'd like to pause for a moment today and acknowledge that Talking about money is hard and complicated and messy. There are probably as many different views about money in this room as there are people. And we have probably all been in settings in which people talk about giving money in ways that are unhealthy, manipulative, or even shaming, even in the church. But I also think we can't react so strongly to these experiences that we never talk about money. Because while it can be uncomfortable, the truth is that Jesus talked about money a lot. The rich young ruler, the widow's might, the parable of the talents, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. In fact, Jesus spent much more time talking about money in his ministry than Many of the other things we seem to get preoccupied with talking about today. And as he says in Matthew 6, you cannot serve God and money. Maybe one reason Jesus talked about money so much is because the way we spend our money reveals so much about who we are and what we really value. And for many of us, it reveals that we are not truly satisfied with what we have, and we are constantly searching for and wanting more. The invitation to live generously runs completely counter to our constant, never-ending desire for more. 
I love how authors Chris Willard and Jim Shepard define generosity as a lifestyle in which we share all that we have, are, and ever will become as a demonstration of God's love and as a response to God's grace. Or as history tells us that John Wesley once said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. The widow put in her whole life, and I can't think of a better picture of Wesley's words than that. But we also can't fully understand what this text is saying without looking at the preceding verses in Luke 20, verses 45 through 47. In fact, our friend Andy Arterberry points out that these verses should really be read as one continuous story with Luke 21 which Ethan and Carlisle did for us earlier. They weren't always separated by chapters until editors came in and did that work later. And in these preceding verses, Jesus describes how the scribes relish the honor and social status that come with their role as religious leaders, and yet they fail to care for the widows in the community. In fact, the text says that they devour widows' houses. At the very least, Artaberry says they sit idly by while watching widows descend so far into debt so that they lose their homes. But regardless of whether the scribes are performing acts of commission or omission here, Jesus criticizes them for focusing exclusively on religious rituals while neglecting the care of the widows who are living among them. You know, it's interesting to note that in Luke's gospel, earlier when when Jesus' parents come to offer a sacrifice in the temple, we meet Anna, a widow who is living at the temple. At the beginning of Luke's gospel, the temple provides Anna, a widow, with a place of refuge and service. And somehow by the end of Luke's gospel, the temple has evidently become a place where widows are devoured rather than cared for. So when we get to Luke 21 and Jesus notices a poor widow who only has two small coins to her name, we've also got to ask ourselves the question, how did this happen in the first place? What has gone wrong in the temple that the very people the religious leaders were entrusted to care for are now living invisible lives with nothing but pennies to their name? Because when you read the story through that lens, you realize that it's not just about this brave widow who gives her all. It's also about a corrupt religious system in which she is not being cared for to begin with. Caroline Lewis says it better than I could. Her words struck me at my core. She says, I think this story tells a truth about ourselves that we are very good at ignoring the widow, both because we don't want to be her and because to help her might demand the kind of sacrifice she herself demonstrated. Every January, the city of Waco and cities nationwide conduct a census of people who are living in homelessness in their community. 
Now you might ask why January, one of the coldest months of the year, but it's also a time when a higher percentage of people are spending the night in shelters to keep warm, which makes it a realistic time to meet people who are otherwise scattered about at other times of the year. A few years ago, the group who was conducting the count asked if they could use Calvary as their central meeting place that morning before dispersing into the city. And so a few of us got here early to have warm coffee for them. But I wasn't expecting them to invite me to go with them on the count. And so early in the morning, while it was still very cold and dark, we started driving around Waco to see who we might find. Now they had already covered the main shelters, so now they needed to go to other locations around town where they knew people were living or had been living at one point to check on them. We drove past places that I drive past every single day and never would have imagined that someone is living there. Wooded areas behind warehouses and businesses off of Highway 84 and Franklin Drive, a side alley behind a restaurant toward Bellmead, that small field beside Torchy's Tacos downtown. I was blown away that there were people living in every single one of these locations. They weren't even minor characters to me. I didn't even know they existed. Now for several weeks after that experience, I would pause when I drove past some of these spots around town. I wondered what more I could do to help, and at the very least, I didn't want to overlook people I drove past every single day and had never noticed before. But over time, I became preoccupied with my daily schedule, too busy to even think to pay attention. But as Dorothy Day once said of her Catholic worker movement, to live the gospel is to stay close to the poor. Or as we might say it, to live the gospel is to stay close to this widow after reading today's text. Because there is something that she knows that helps us know more about who God is. And there is something about how she lives that helps us know how we are to live in the kingdom of God. And so how do we at Calvary stay close to our neighbors who are poor? Who are the widows in our midst? Do we even know they exist? Do we know their names, their stories? And how do we give our all as the widow so boldly and beautifully does in today's text? What follows is not an exhaustive list by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's a starting point of some things we are already doing and that all of us can be a part of. For instance, right now we are collecting Christmas gifts for the Mission Waco Toy Drive. All of these toys go toward families in our community who otherwise couldn't afford Christmas gifts for their children at Christmas. Mission Waco empowers them by offering a Christmas store where they can go shopping for the gifts they would like to give their children and makes them available at a significant discount. Now, Calvary has participated in this toy drive for years, but often what happens is that we get a handful of toys and the week before we kind of freak out and we think we need to go get some more significant gifts. 
And what would it look like for us to give our all to this, to shop for these children as if we were shopping for our own child or grandchild or niece or nephew? Or today we are collecting the Samaritan's Fund, which goes toward emergent needs in our community and our church. We receive countless calls from people needing help paying rent or else they will get evicted, paying utility bills, needing something to eat, and this is a tangible way we can help. In fact, Will Ward shared with us this week that since October 1st, we have been able to assist 10 individuals with $4,600 in request. But the reality is we never have enough funds to meet all the requests we receive, especially at this time of year. What would it look like for us to give our all to the Samaritan's Fund? Not just our leftover change, but a gift that actually might cost us something in return. John Hunt and I visited The Cove a few weeks ago, a local nonprofit that provides a safe space after school where teenagers in our community who are homeless can receive the care and support they need. And we've already begun talking with the missions team about what it might look like for Calvary to become more involved in their work helping with meals, take-home bags of food over the weekends, mentoring and special events. You'll hear more about ways to get involved early next year. And finally, when you give to Calvary's budget, you give toward efforts that care for our neighbors. Backpacks of food for children at West Avenue who otherwise may not have a meal over the weekend. You give toward making sure we have a safe, warm space to welcome anyone who walks in our doors throughout the week, including our neighbors who are learning English with MCC. You give toward mission trips to the border and to Peru and to Lebanon. However, the truth is that our budget is pretty modest, as we've seen this morning. We use it wisely and well, but I wonder what it would look like if all of us truly gave our all. Because there's so much more we as Calvary could do here in Sanger Heights and in Waco and in Texas and around the world if all of us were giving by all the means we can and all the ways we can and all the places that we can and all the times that we can to all the people that we can as long as we ever can. Ultimately, Barbara Brown Taylor says this about today's story in Luke's Gospel. She says, It is the last of Jesus' dizzy lessons in the upside-down kingdom of God, where the last shall be first, and the great shall be servants of all. And the most unlikely people will turn out to have been Christ himself in disguise. This poor widow is Jesus' last case in point. In fact, when he leaves the temple with his disciples that day, his public ministry is over. In just a few days, he will be dead, having uncurled his fingers from around his own offering to give up the two copper coins of his life. If you ask me, she says, this is why he noticed the widow in the first place. It was the end for her. It was the end for him, too. She gave her living to a corrupt church, and he was about to give his life for a corrupt world. She withheld nothing from God, and neither did he. 
it took one to know one. When he looked at her, it was like looking in a mirror at a reflection so clear that he called the disciples over to see. Look, he said to those he meant to follow him, this is what I've been talking about. Look at her. And so, Calvary, may we be people who look at her, who see minor characters playing major, beautiful roles in the kingdom of God. And may we be people who give our all as we follow after the one who gave his all for us. And so, God, I ask that you would stir within us a greater sense of generosity. God, convict us of the ways that we need to be giving, of all that we are and all that we have as we follow after the one who gave his all for us. God, it's one thing to talk about it, and it's another thing to live it. And so I ask that you would give us the courage to do that and to take that next step forward in following you. We ask all this in your name and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen. We have heard today that this invitation to generosity only comes because we follow a generous God. And the truth is that God gave everything for us when he sent Jesus, not only to be with us, but to become one of us, to live and to die so that we might have life and have it abundantly. If you'd like to talk with one of our ministers about what it means to follow Jesus, we would love to visit with you today. Or maybe you are interested in becoming part of this community of faith where we seek to live generously together. We try to follow Jesus together in the best ways we know how, and we would love to welcome you into our church family today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back ready to receive you and to pray with you as we continue in worship. to the feast of heaven and earth come to the table of plenty god will provide for all that we need here at the table of plenty oh come and sit at my table where saints and sinners are friends, I wait to welcome the lost and lonely to share the cup of my love. Come to the feast of heaven and earth, come to the table of plenty. God will provide for all that we need. Here at the table of plenty. Oh, come and eat without money. Come to drink without price. My feast 
of gladness will feed your spirit with faith and fullness of life. Come to the feast of heaven and earth. Come to the table of plenty. God will provide for all that we need here at the table of plenty. My bread will ever sustain you Through days of sorrow and woe My wine will flow like a sea of gladness To flow the depths of your soul Come to the feast of heaven and earth Come to the table of plenty God will provide for all that we need here at the table of plenty. Your fields will flower in fullness, your homes will flourish in peace. For I, the giver of home and harvest, will send my rain on the soul. Come to the feast of heaven and earth, come to the table of plenty. God will provide for all that we need here at the table of plenty. As we come to the table today, may we be awestruck by the generosity of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. As we come to the table today, may we embrace the paradox of generosity. That in letting go and giving away, we end up receiving back more than we could have ever imagined. Today, as we come to the table, we recognize that we need God to pry open our closed fists and teach us to live open-handed lives, lives that invite others to let go and trust, too. We come desiring to be a part of God's good and beautiful work, not to make our names great, but to honor the name that is above all names. We come embracing the call to radical generosity. As we take this bread and this cup, we give thanks to our God, whose generosity far exceeds our own imagination, to God who generously gave his son Jesus in our place so that we might live, and who continually gives us his presence through the Holy Spirit abiding in us. And as we come to the table, we remember again how the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Friends, you're invited to come to the table. Come and receive the extravagant gift of our Savior's love. Taste and 
few things to remember as we are going today. Next Sunday is our harvest meal, and so we encourage everyone to bring generous helpings of side dishes and desserts, so we are really looking forward to that time together. Worship will be a little shorter than normal and will flow into that meal, and so we really hope everyone will be able to stay after and enjoy the meal with us. Also, Friday night, uh, Gabby and our child care team have been planning a parent's night out. And so if you are a parent of a six-month-old to a five-year-old, they are offering that as a way to support some of our young families. Um, Just RSVP with Gabby about that. If you can believe it, Advent is right around the corner. How many of y'all already have your Christmas trees up? I see it. Oh, loud and proud. I love it. Um, And so, especially if you're going to be gone next week, know that Advent is coming. That means we will do Advent wreath making that first Sunday and a chili lunch afterwards. um, And just look forward to all of our Advent and Christmas traditions here at Calvary. And then lastly, as I mentioned previously, we will be receiving our Samaritans Fund offering today. And that is used often and well toward emergent needs in our church and community. Well, please join me in this benediction. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment. And comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you. And may the Spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen. Go in peace, live in grace, trust in the arms that will hold you. Go in peace, live in grace, trust God. sleep through the night, wisdom to choose at the fork in the road, and a heart that knows the way home. Go now in peace. Amen.